Greetings and welcome to Resistance Recovery. Resistance Recovery is dedicated to the exploration of any and all topics related to recovery, spirituality, and culture. Join us as we interview thought leaders working at the edges of cultural transformation. My name is Piers Kanuka, and I'll be your host. This week, we're being bold, we call it bold, <laughs> and, and my friend and I, the Reverend Andy Stinson, who you've all met before, who is a great friend and supporter of Resistance Recovery and the Liberation Institute and Rockland Recovery Treatment Center, can't say enough about the support he gives me, um, he is agreed to join me in a discussion of a book called The Coronavirus Pandemic, Anthroposophical Perspectives by Judith Von Hall. And so if you are expecting um, a highly charged political conversation about the origins of COVID and the vaccine, we're probably going to disappoint you. But... If you want to get into some esoteric speculation about this, this uh, virus, then this might be of interest. It is anthroposophical, so it's kind of a, a, a technical jargon, if you will, but I think a lot of you will uh, appreciate what Judith has to say. Before we start, just a few words about Judith Von Hall. Um, she is an anthroposophist, she's an architect, she's German. And what makes her very, very unusual is she is a stigmatic. So she has had the stigma for some years. Um, if you don't know the what only, the only The only recorded non-Catholic, is that true? I, I've, I've read of others. I have um, too, but. But there are very few non-Catholic stigmatics. And if you don't know what, what stigmatic is, it means that she actually has the wounds of Christ in her palms, feet, forehead, and side. Um, they are not always open. They open and they close. Uh, when I think this is correct. I hope I'm not wrong. But when they are open, she has spirit vision of the events of Palestine 2000 years ago, right down to being able to comprehend Aramaic. Um, if this sounds completely wild to you, it's because it's completely wild. Yes. <laughs> I, I believe the Catholic Church has only 300 uh, official recorded cases. Um, I think 500 like claimed, something like that. Yeah, and, yeah, and the first being Assisi, being Saint Fra being Francis. Yeah. Is that official or is that just legendary? I don't know, but I every it, it comes up everywhere I read that it that that um you know it's a tri it, that it's it's attributed that way that it's to Francis, but I don't know if that's true. So other than Francis, some of the famous stigmatics are uh, Padre Pio of the 20th century, who had. Um, all kinds of paranormal phenomena surrounding him, all the way down to bilocation, meaning being in two places at once. And um, the one I think resembles Judith Von Hall quite a bit is Catherine Emmerich, who was bedridden, but also had this vision. Um, so Von Hall is controversial in the anthroposophical world. So she has detractors. Um, there are some that say that uh, we don't need to really unpack this, but that stigmata is atavistic. Uh, it's a it's an older spiritual condition, and that it's not appropriate to the anthroposophical path of training, or it would never occur during that. Uh, there are other things that she has said in her vision that her visions that contradict. Rudolf Steiner in some small ways that uh, people, some people make a lot out of. 
And then on the other hand, she has her defenders. Unfortunately, her detractors are from what's called the Vorstand. So they're kind of like the mucky mucks of anthroposophy. Um, needless to say, I'm on the Von Hall side of Von Hall camp, if you will. So with that. And, and I, I mean, and just to kind of throw my piece in, I, I'm not, I, I've got no dog in this fight. I, but um, one of the fascinating things to me is the, the continued revelation that kind of comes out. I mean, the, 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 the notion of, you know, mystics and particularly the notion of continuing revelation and the notion of, um, you know, mystical uh, messages for particular times in particular ways uh, are, you know, the, the entire 2000 years of Christianity are littered with it. And if you either can accept that or not accept that, but, you know, the, and, and I, but, but for me, I, I highly accept that. And I think that, um, and so I'm, you know, for, for somebody like, uh, Von Hall, that this is to me, it's like, I think it's fascinating to, to lean into this and to just see what does, you know, what does she have to say? Not necessarily say that, you know, uh, you know, we don't have to get kind of guruistic about the whole thing, but we can say like, what, you know, there's, there, there's exceptional things happening here. And so, um, and so, and we, so we ignore these things. I think, you know, we can get all, you know, dogmatic and all kind of, all kind of, staunch about it but but we can also just kind of check him out and that's kind of i come at this as a tourist i don't i'm you know i'm not an anthroposophist i don't i don't you know but um but there's you know in my reading there's some fantastic truths here i think that she plums into kind of the you know what we what we might call the war behind the war you know the the battle behind the battle of what's going on on a on a on a spiritual level with some of this stuff and you can accept it or not but but it, it to me, much of it starting to, you know, rings really, really true. So that's so, you know, I, I think it's cool, you know, because that's part of this conversation that we can have is that, that uh, you know, this is much, peers, this is much more your wheelhouse than mine. But at the same time, there's this, uh, I think, you know, there's a, there's, there's a tremendous beauty and tremendous truth coming through what she's saying, I, I think, regardless of what, uh, where you come down on the, the wider virtue of it so i was excited to read this yeah and i'm in essential agreement with everything you just said um some of our, our listeners might be interested to know that in protestant denominations there's often many of them say there has there's no future there's no new revelation outside of the bible that all the book was closed then and so this stuff is necessarily um off the mark so just for the record. So where do you think we should start? Um, well, I think the, I, I, I would start with why she wrote the book to begin with, because I think that's an interesting, you know, she didn't necessarily want to write this. Um, it was really kind of a bipopular demand. Um, and that I think, you know, elicits an interesting you know, an interesting voice from somebody, you know, it's like people, you know, when, when, when the, when COVID kicked off in March of last year, uh, by May, she was getting hounded with, uh, folks who were, you know, what's, what do we make of this? Um, so she's kind of become a voice, uh, that, and so, so the fact that she, she, you know, that, that she didn't say, here's what I think, you know, it was much more, really a response and she just wanted to write a couple letters and it was actually her publisher that made her turn this into a book so so to me i think i think you know starting with the whys of why some people do stuff is a is a is an interesting and i don't know if you have any thoughts about that but i thought that that alone began to be like that was a, the, my first kind of huh that with uh. this is that she didn't because she didn't bring this you know she's not like you know um you know, she wasn't kind of beating her own chest over this. It was really, uh, uh, it's really kind of, you get that. And I think you really, in reading it, you get this kind of sense of, you know, this is being drawn out of her. This isn't necessarily be her like, this is what I think the world should do kind of thing. Yeah. And she's certainly not strident. Right. In fact, she starts out by pointing out that there are very polarized camps in all of this and that Ultimately, that's not really helping anything. Right. I think that's, you know, 
true on many levels. Yeah. And, and I think I you know that's probably one of her deeper points in the whole thing is that, you know, she begins to map out how, how the, the oppositional, all the oppositional stuff that COVID has uh, drawn out of, out of the world, whether it's, you know, the, the red blue divide, whether it's the vaccine anti-vax divide, whether it's that all of these have are, you know, I mean, she calls it the great distraction. All right. I mean that, or, you know, the, that, uh, that, uh, you know, there's this way in which that, that it's, it's co-opting all of these deeper spiritual forces that really need to come to the fore to heal us and heal this, heal, heal the world and heal this stuff. And so I, I thought that was a, that was a brilliant observation right off the right out of the gate was just, um, was kind of, you know, so she, she, she solidly kind of pole vaults over the polar, the polarization of, of this thing um, immediately. Yeah. And so that, that is a good place to start because I think to frame this, we're going to have to have like a few um, sort of anthroposophical um, ideas that, are, that frame the thing. And, and one of them is that in this time that we're living in, um, forming community is, is paramount. However, it cannot be um, based on any kind of tribalism or any kind of blood uh, relation, uh, which these were appropriate forms of community in earlier times. But now we're being called to form community out of what she calls the I. Um, so this is out of the, the unique spiritual individuality of each one of us. And we need to be able to I meet I. And so this is not a, um, it's not a group think. And, and in fact, she would be, or the anthropops would be similar to uh, Jung in saying that at this time, if you were to go back into that group, mentality it's actually regressive right and right. and a lot of people are tempted to do it because of fear mm -hmm. right. um, and yeah i i would call it like from my perspective you know i think i you know one of the ways i've described it is just the organization around affinity groups you know that we have a common love and that I, I seeks I and I recognizes I because of the fact that, you know, I, you know, we have a common love in this. We have a common there are, th there are things that we, we have common values set, um, you know, uh, my guy Swedenborg would talk about it as heavenly communities, you know, that they're that we're, we're called to build these communities that are that are around these these heavenly loves, these loves for the good. The, you know, what what's her phrase that she keeps coming back to again and again, which I just fell in love with, which I'm sure is probably a Steinerism, but um, uh, where she says the, the good, the true and the beautiful, I think, is that oh, it? Yeah. That's, that's Plato. Yeah. 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 But that, right. That, that idea of kind of continuing to come back to that. And, and that yeah. was, you know, and that so struck me because um, you know, when this whole thing kicked off, I really felt like, you know, I mean, for me, I felt like God gave me a word, um, out of this really like around the end of the end of March, I really felt like I was spoken to. And, and it was just the one line from Dostoevsky, which is beauty will save the world. And I really felt I woke with that. Like I woke up one morning with that, just like, as if somebody had just, you know, shoved it into my consciousness. And I, and it's been kind of my ruling kind of guidepost for this whole thing is that, you know, regardless of what we're doing and whatever, where we're doing it, we have to incorporate the beautiful and the beautiful, if the beautiful isn't a part of it, don't touch it. You know, don't, yeah. don't, you know, don't, cause that, cause you're off the mark. Like it's in, and, and, you know, as, as much as that sounds like, you know, uh, kind of so, you know, it's so hippy dippy airy fairy in some way, but in some, but, but it actually is the great sword against and the great defense shield against the fear that would bring us back into that tribalism. And, you know, and she, she kind of hammers on that right out of the gate. Like, you know, that this is like that, that all of this stuff is a distraction to take us away from, you know, the good, the true and the beautiful. And that, and I've re that really resonated with me, you know, because it felt like it was so much of what I had gotten in my own spiritual practice and my own, and my own, um, you know, my own, my own journey. So I, I felt really, I was that that was the first, you know, I perked moment. It's you know, started there. Like that perked me up. I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is not 
this is this is not going to be a polemic about you know uh you know whether the pfizer vaccine is better than the moderna vaccine or something right well and i mean on a very prosaic level your point is so well taken because if anything the pandemic has done is it's cast a spell of uh or a shadow of ugly over right. so right. much yeah um well, so on that point, she really makes a big um, issue about truth, lies, and the, um, the spirit behind lying, who in the anthroposophical world would be the spirit of Ariman. And Ariman in the Bible, uh, anthroposophists make a distinction between Lucifer and Satan. And Ariman is often imagined to be Satan. And Ariman is a, um, he is the father of lies because his, his core lie is that there is no spirit. Right. The lie of materialism. That's it. And the lie of materialism is the, um, is actually making us vulnerable to viruses mm -hmm. this one in particular yep so that's that's a bit of um yeah she i have the quote right here she says and according to my knowledge the cause is of this she's talking about the virus is materialism which has spread out over the entire earth and especially in humanity's predominantly materialistic way of thinking yes and i, and I, I love that i love that that emphasis on thinking because i thought that was really really important. It's not like materialism, like I want more stuff or I want, but it's this way of thinking, you know, and if you think about vaccine, like the, and the, the, you know, I mean, people are like, I just had a call this morning and people are so transfixed with getting their jab and that trend. And it's like, think about this. You are, you're talking about an inert little piece of like, you know, uh, um, material, you know, material stuff that is now going to make you bulletproof and safe. And, you know, I mean, I mean, the, the whole Jesus quote of, you know, where is your faith that comes to me, you know, on that, because it's like, man, it looks like their faith is in a little piece of material versus, and they're thinking that way. And that's what gets me. So that's what, and that's what I thought was so powerful about her observation is it's not just materialism as like, we all, cause we all like stuff but it's the way of thinking about the fact that material is our salvation. Like yeah. that our salvation re, re, is in our, in, is in, is in the material. Yeah. So one of the things that she does is she show, see, so in anthroposophy, we have, they're certainly not alone in this, but they have a notion of the evolution of consciousness. And so the human being is actually evolving through time and um, we are now in what she calls, or what Steiner called the time of the consciousness soul. So this is the sort of awakening up to the eye. And prior to this was what was called the um, intellectual soul when we were coming into our own mentally. And what she shows in the book, which I found fascinating, is she shows how different kinds of plagues that affected human beings followed the development of the human being. So if we go back far enough with leprosy, that actually involved touch. In order for that to pass, it was touch. Um, and then she moved into various kinds of uh, like, bacterias. Yeah, and TB. And TB. And it was either uh, uh, tainted food or water or liquid droplets. And in the anthroposophical world, the, um, the liquid element pertains to the development of what you would call the soul. Because it's a, it's a fluid realm. Right. But then she says, as we've gotten to this point, now it is in the realm of air. Um, and she even shows that viruses are relatively um, modern. Right. And she, you know, so, so if you were an alchemist, all of this would make sense because we're relating the element of air to the phenomena of 
thinking. You know, it's a, it's an immaterial or a airy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And and if you think about it, like the you know, like one of the one of the the the, the kind of the spiritual correspondences, the kind of the the symbolism behind that that um, you often find that uh, like one of the ways it's described is when when um, when that Jesus talks about kind of the birds of the air, you know, one of the ways that that gets interpreted esoterically is he's talking about the thoughts that fly through our consciousness. So, so you can think about that in the sense of like, okay, you've got this big thinking world and then in the, within your big thinking world, and then you've got these, these, these things that have life and that they can, and they move through it and that, and those are our thoughts. And so these, the, the um, you know, so I really appreciated that, that kind of symbolism because I think there's a, there's a, it's a, it's a solidly rooted framework of um, and, and Swedenborg's framework as well. So it's really, it, it's uh, you know, it, it, cause it's really, I mean, it's, you know, when, when people heard you kind of laying that out, I'm like, I could, you know, I can see on the other side, like people's like, Oh man, what am I into? But at the same time, there's like, these are deep. I mean, these are, these are deeply present and they're deeply present, you know, cross-culturally they're deeply present, um, you know, across time that, that these, these, uh, the, the power of these images and the power of this. So, so, um, so that whole notion that you're talking about, about her, about her saying, this is really a fight for the mind about this is really a fight for the, for, for how, about how we think about stuff. Um, again, really like, you know, and it's, and it's so right because we are in an information age. Like that's the reality. This is, you know, the fight is Google. The fight is, the fight is the fact that things fly in, you know, information flies so fast. And so does falsehood. Right. Exactly. And so what, you know, what's hard for a lot of contemporary thinkers to understand is that, uh, Steiner believed that thinking was not just the property of your head. So it's not this little thing that I do and you're encased in yours. He, uh, math might be a better way of understanding it. If we started talking about Pythagoras, Pythagoras, the Pythagorean theorem, we would be both talking about these same entities mm. that in some level, some way really exist and that we can participate in their truth and communicate them. Um, and that thinking in an anthroposophical world, you know, it's a way of, um, it's a dimension of reality that is inherent in the properties of the world. So there's a thought world around nature. There's a thought world around weather. There's a thought world around, you know, all these things. And of course there's room for error and all that. Um, and so what she's saying is, is that when you cannot acknowledge or, or apprehend or work with the spiritual reality of thought, when you falsify it into just being some shadowy thing that you do in your head, right. that's a kind of materialism. Right. You know, right. Of course, this materialism would be that consciousness is just a secretion or a byproduct of what's going on in my brain. Right. Um, and and so, it's the power of the, uh, you know, it's the power of the idea to think of it that way, you know, is that, you know, like the great quote, you know, nothing can stop an, an idea whose time has come, you know, mm -hmm. this idea that, you know, that this, this notion that these movements, these ideas, these truths have a time in which they come, you know, they're, they're coming into us and they also have kind of the, um, you know, her quote over here, you know, well beyond previous epochs, when such things were appropriate, maintain a, that uh, maintain a group soul and uh, a group soul attitude that in these intellectually pandemic associations of people, self and group needs speak of a, of a corrupted soul activity that has not been conquered by the eye. And I think there she kind of lays out like that's that's a little bit of a layout of her whole contention about this whole thing. Like mm -hmm. there's this corrupted soul activity that's going on that we, that, that we have not got our arms around, you know, that we have right. not, like, we're, we're not, we're not there, you know, when we're, and it's getting the better of us, I think is a little bit of her case. 
Oh, it's a big part. Yes. Yeah. So we are not coming into our eye forces yeah. because. Can you say more about that? Because she, she launches into the assumption of, we know what that is in the book. And I, it took me a little yeah. while to, and I think for our conversation, it'll be helpful because I, because I found it, I, I, you know, just for me personally, I found it really helpful because it is very much how I understand our development as people is to come, you know, because so much, I think so many different, you know, kind of worlds, worlds, idea systems, uh, belief systems, you know, be it, you know, Buddhism, be it, uh, you know, Islam, be it that there's this way of like the transcendence of the self into kind of some sort of nirvana, blissy kind of nice state. But this is really the solidification of the self in a way that the, that we, you know, I mean, it is the true definition, I think of Christian in a way, which is the idea of being little Christ, you know, and that, that we're really, that this is about building character, you know, Bill, and, and this is very much always been my belief. It's, it certainly was Swedenborg's belief. Like he really believes we're not, you know, we weren't, we don't come through this world, you know, that the whole point of this world is to be a seminary for heaven, like that we're being formed and we're being shaped and we're being molded and we're being tempered and we're being created. And that that creation that is in this world is also to give birth, you know, to give, to kind of, to, to give birth to the next one. So That's- there's a lot, of like, you know, there's kind of a lot on the line here and (laughs) it's not, and it's not about just, and it's not about just like getting over it. It's not, it's not, it's the opposite of kind of the Gnostic idea of like, you know, how's the fat, what's the quickest way out of this place so that I can reunite with the light. But it's, it's really this, how do I, how do I create, you know, how do I, how do I permit myself to be formed? How am I formed so that how, how do I bind together with, you know, how do, uh, with my, my heavenly community in this place to be able to bring heaven into this world so that it can be a vessel for goodness in this world. Um, you know, I found that very much a part of her, of her understanding around that eye. So I, maybe I just, you know, stole your thunder, but I, I, it, no, no. I, I there's a great, I, there's a great point just in the whole thing to understand, like, this is the, you know, this is a valid direction to be going. If you think you're forming somebody, you are. You know, yeah. like that. Well, so in anthroposophy, the I, which is your spiritual identity, your essence, is only gradually over long, vast periods of time incarnating into the body. So the, the Christian gesture is of the spirit coming down into the body. And uh, anthroposophy believes in reincarnation. So this is happening successively. Um, people are at different places with it, but everyone's generally moving in a direction, and there are forces of hindrance that are trying to block this every step of the way. The forces of hindrance are how we develop capacities. So on some level, we have to encounter evil in order to develop these capacities. Right. So it really is about the I incarnating. Now, we're far from from being what, what Steiner calls spirit man, when the eye has come down and he's worked over the soul and what's called the etheric body and right down to the physical body. Yep. Um, that'll happen. That's, in the and that's such an orthodox idea. I mean, oh, this yeah. is, that's the, it's God became man. So man could become God. That's yes, right. exactly. It's so completely like, I mean, that, it, what I find so fascinating is it's not, as if you know, this is a this this is an ancient ancient part of Christ, the Christian tradition. It's yeah, and not it's, at not, all. it's not really theosophical or anything like that. Right, either. right, right. So, um, the way Steiner would put it is, he would say humanity's um, destiny or what we're moving towards. I can just hear, <laughs> I can hear anthroposophists quibbling with me because I'm not being <laughs> really exact. Um, is that we are supposed to become the 10th hierarchy. So there's nine hierarchies and angels above us, and we are evolving into the 10th one. And that means that we are meant to be beings of freedom and love with the understanding that real love can never have any element of coercion. It has to be... um, Fully voluntary. Yeah, you have to be, in a sense... Steiner would say, choosing your own motives. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no sense of inner compulsion. So 
what's happening now is that um, there is a, there is a very powerful evil force in the world that is um, trying to prevent the eye from realizing its its vocation, and that force is another type of evil which she calls the asuric, or Steiner called it that, and the asuric force is to prevent the eye from, from incarnating. Um, and so she relates this to these, these lives. Um, so Ariman is very interesting with, with anthroposophy because there's also Luciferic evil. And what, what th these, these forms of evil are actually quite different from one another. But when one of them does their work, it creates an opportunity for the other one to come in. And so what's going on with Ariman is that we have been um, subjected to this, this materialism. We, 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 are, we have an Arimanic genius inside of us that allows us to uh, pursue technology. And um, what, what Steiner would say is human beings now, their genius for technology is actually outstripping their moral development. Right. So hence we spend, you know, we use our genius on weapons and surveillance. Um, and what's, what's happening, I just want to read something. If we can go to page um, 50. Okay, can I, can, yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, I, so I just, but just on that point, you know, that this is what she says about on page 45 about, about exactly that, about what the, what, what this is, what is opening, what this is opening up. She says, the infection with the virus steers the eye slumbering person. So basically, you know, the person just going through their day, not aware of their, of their eye, their, the eye slumbering person's intention back to the purely material and back to the physical processes. And it reaffirms his or her already biased materialistic worldview. And so it impacts a spiritual on a sub level, on a subsensory level, spiritual impulse on the physical in the human soul. And mm -hmm. I just loved that because I thought it was, I'm like, that's because it, you could, you, I mean, all you got to do is, you know, turn on any media, talk to anybody. And that's just kind of fine, you know, that's, that's, that's just kind of stumbling their way through this. And like you see that at work, that it keeps steering them back to, like, oh, you can get your vaccine over here, or you can, you know, put on another mask over here. You, everything steering them towards the material. And that in that, it's kind of opens up this impulse to stay rooted in the physical and to not think of higher things. Well, and also Ariman is a being of fear. Right, exactly. And it's still, yeah. It instills right. fear. So there's like, and him right. hit that limbic part of the brain, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what she's really saying is got, several prongs. One is our vulnerability to the virus to begin with is a function of materialism. Um, our strategies for coping with the virus are exclusively materialistic. And this, this uh, spiritual destiny that we've been uh, charged with to form community out of our eye now is being completely compromised because we're full of fear and we, we, we're afraid of our neighbors and, and we're, we're falling into groupthink depending on how you fall on these issues of vax, no vax, origin of the virus, so on and so forth. Yeah. And as you were talking about before, we're falling into groupthink that is not, that is the opposite of our spiritual, our, you know, our, our, you know, our heavenly community, it's really our hellish community. You know, we're, yeah. we're rallying with the people that, that hold the same fears as we do. We're rallying with the people that hold the same prejudices as we do. We're rallying with the people that, you know, uh, dis, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that, that circle the wagons the same way we circle the wagon. I mean, we're all of this, you know, it, it's, it's good. It, it's, it's, lead bringing us right in the wrong direct in the in the opposite direction of our kind of heavenly selves of our more uh you know of our of our our our, our wider connection to community yes there's no doubt about it um so on page 50 just to build on that we'll get to the sort of 
dynamic of how this is working. She writes, uh, I'm going to read, I'll read for a little bit. She says, what is going on here? First of all, the fixed ideas of materialism eventually put the lungs in this sclerotic situation. So she's talking about, you know, that people that get COVID, they get this sort of hardening of the tissue in the lungs. Furthermore, today's kind of materialism leads to obsessive thoughts that force people to become addicted to the materialistic worldview. I found that very interesting because I think we are prone to these obsessive thoughts the more we are filled with fear and anxiety. Absolutely, absolutely. Like you know, so OCD is an extreme form of this, but I have this fear for my children. And if I don't line up all the soup cans just so, something bad is going to happen to them. Right, absolutely. Um, the eye is undermined, compelled by its rigid, fearful intellectual soul that has been abandoned by its higher spirit through materialism. And then she goes on and says, a life of free thinking is no longer possible. Just as the lungs, when they become stiff and no longer pass oxygen onto the blood, can no longer dynamically relate to the outer world. So and this that, is where it gets good. Yeah. yeah, it really does. The human being basically breathes in his own fixed ideas. Wow. Wearing a mask, but breathing in your own, you know, your own, exhaust. Yeah. like it's your own. I mean, it's a physical manifestation of what's actually spiritually happening. Yeah. And it's all my little group that share these ideas, which causes his breathing organ to become rigid. If the thought ether is no longer permeated by reality, the air breathed in by us will consist exclusively of mere chemical gas. So there we are back in that sort of alchemical world mm. that, that the air in a way is the bearer of truth, uh, prana or pneuma spirit. And, and how much of the whole social media landscape now has just become echo chamber? Mm. I mean, that's, that's essentially what she's talking about is that, you know, we, you know, we breathe in our own fixed ideas, you know, we go to our social media page to find people who reinforce the things that we believe. And the moment we find somebody who doesn't believe what we believe, woe betide them. That's you know, right. the flaming begins like that's, And so it's this, I mean, it is, it's a really beautiful image of what, of what we can see going on all over the place. Um, instead of being the bearer of supersensory living forces. So in yoga, that would be prana it will become the bearer of subsensory impulses in the form of damaging material particles. The physical breath of life, present, previously the guarantor of human life on earth would in this way become a potential menace to life. The caused is I benumbed thinking. What a phrase, I benumbed thinking. The opposite of what happens when the human being uses what Rudolf Steiner characterizes as the selfless I sense. So the higher I is by its very nature selfless. And that's to be contrasted with, uh, so, you know, egoism is more of a neutral term. I think a more appropriate one would be egotism, mm -hmm. which is the idea that I can take credit for myself um, I can and take credit for things world. I shouldn't take credit for right. and that I must have things to be okay. Right. Um, and so now she's, you know, she'll take us deep into Christianity. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, she, you know, um, you know, she's skipping a, skimming ahead a bit, but she talks to like, she said, then, you know, feeling the awareness that our suffering is among the most valuable experiences in this incarnation, for it gives us the opportunity for real insight into the purpose of incarnation. That, that, and so she, so she, you know, so she kind of immediately, or she then kind of pivots from this notion of, you know, what's, what's, the problem is, is that we're breathing in our own fixed ideas. We're breathing in our own, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're stultifying ourselves on these, uh, on the, on our own thought. And that 
what breaks us out of that is actually our suffering. What actually breaks us out of that is the fact that we we're going to lift heavy things. We're going to do hard things and that, that, that it's that it's, that's going to, um, you know, I, I'll read the whole paragraph because I think it's worth it. It's for this reason, there is nothing to fear on the contrary and pardon the straightforwardness, the eventual prospect of death by COVID-19 and preceding suffering should not, should also not particularly burden us. Um, for compared to other ways of suffering before crossing the threshold, as a rule, it is limited to several days. Apart from this, the steps we take on our on our psychical path of inner development awakens with the feeling, the awareness of our suffering is among the most valuable experiences of this incarnation. Um, and it, she goes on, when fear grips us, let's look at Christ. Why is it said that he was the first to rise from the dead because we ourselves are the second ones to whom this is given. If we contemplate the Easter depiction um, of the Eisenheim altar, which I'm not familiar with, it can call upon our souls. See human being, that is your gift. I'm mm. like, she gets very preachy here. I appreciate that as you know, as a preacher. Um, but this real, this like this real call to arms of like, you know, uh, lift up, you know, she talks about the altar and the whole purpose of the altar is often that we lift our gaze, that we look up to it. Um, and, you know, that this notion of, you know, we contemplate the Easter de depiction, we contemplate, you know, our, our own, you know, you know, mortality and resurrection through this and, and, um, and that it, it puts us and then immediately that is the silver bullet to the, our materialism. That the moment we start, we step into that sphere, all the materialism just, you know, it melts like wax because it's now exposed to a heat that it just can't hold. Like, um, it, it's, it's, uh, this, this, um, you know, and so, you know, this, this whole idea, I mean, it's just so beautiful because, you know, I think, I mean, you look at my bookshelf in the back, like if I was really an old school congregational minister, one of those shelves would have a skull on it because, part of your job was to keep before you all the time, your mortality. And that one of the ways you did that is you, and it wasn't a pretend skull. It was an actual somebody's skull. And you would, you'd, you'd spend a little time with it. You'd contemplate it. You'd look at it. You'd be like, that was somebody's head. And you would, you know, this way of like, of like, you know, going into that fear so that you can, you can, so that you, the, the whole draw towards materialism, uh, you know, it, it, it loses its punch and you're, and you're actually drawn into the, into the, into the spiritual thinking of things. And I really loved that, that invitation because it's, it's, it's at the heart of the Christian, you know, tradition. It's the, right. It's right at the center of it. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it was really, it's really big in orthodoxy where they, right. what are they called? Charnel houses? Is that what they yeah. 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 So the, all the monk skulls are in one place yeah. and, yeah. and they're in, contemplate yeah um so one of the things that she's saying is happening now is that these assertic forces are so strong right now because it's trying to prevent the spiritual event of our time which is what steiner called the reappearance of the christ in the etheric okay and Orthodox Christians would call that the second coming. Mm -hmm. So Swedenborg would as well, actually. That they would, Swedenborg would as well. Swedenborg would as well. Yeah, he would. He said this: the second coming is not a physical event. It is the it is the dwelling of Christ Christ consciousness consciousness within humanity, like that of 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 the the way of Christ within the within uh, within human beings. So for, for Steiner, this starts happening in 1933, and it can happen in many ways, um, but it actually can happen with people having a perception of the Christ in the etheric, which biblically Steiner would say is uh, coming in clouds. That's the image. Um, so another person I've interviewed, uh, Howard Storm, congregational minister who had a profound near-death experience, he didn't know this until I interviewed him, which I found quite interesting. <laughs> he was approached, uh, somehow this publishing house found out about him and called Clairview. And um, it's an imprint of Steiner Books. And they encountered him because 
his experience of the risen Christ and the near-death experience, and even some things that happened to him after he came back, is exactly what Steiner said was going to be happening. And he didn't, he didn't even know that that was why he was approached until I told him. But So this is going to be happening to people increasingly, and it's not always that dramatic, but um, it often happens through near-death experiences, suffering, um, and the materialism is, is geared towards preventing it from happening. And to experience the Christ in the etheric is to experience a real foretaste or vivification, I'm sure the anthropops are objecting to me right now, of the eye. So there's a, there's a relationship between the Christ and the eye that can only, that's meant to happen in this time. And all of this stuff in a spiritual sense is to prevent that. Right. The, the, uh, uh, one of the ways it's been described from, from, uh, you know, my stuff is that there it's that we, we have the, we have the, the honest, the, the full experience of being what is called distinguishably one, that we are completely and utterly distinguishable from all of every, everyone else and everything else in creation. We, we are thoroughly and wholly. What's that? As individuals. As individuals. Yes. And we, so as, as an individual, we are full and we are completely and utterly connected to the whole. Um, we're completely, we completely understand ourselves as a part of the one, but we're, but it's not this like, you know, and our self melts away kind of thing, but it's this sense of we're thoroughly distinguishable. We can truly see, you know, if you think about it as the mosaic of a mosaic of glass, we can, you know, with, of a, of a stained glass window, you can see, our our glass is distinguishable in that and we can we know it in the and it's and it's and it's unique to us and we know it in the whole and that is the experience of being in that state of um that's that's uh, the way i've heard it described before by swedenborg by swedenborg and by other people yeah by folks that have read swedenborg yep that's future show folks steiner and swedenborg (laughs) um so to talk about the Christ stuff, I just thought we could go for a second to um, page. It's the bottom of 77 on to 78. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's great. And I'll just start with that last word on page 77. Allow me to give you this as the greatest consolation as the strongest ray of hope in the present situation. The individual person holds the world's fate in his hands. This is the gift of Christ, who sees the individual eye as a deity, who treats it as a deity. We are free beings, and therefore our relationship to the world is in our own hands, in all times and at every moment. Spiritual life must become a reality in our hearts and thereby in our higher consciousness. We must develop a feeling in our souls for the true, the beautiful, and the good that resides in the spiritual life. Mm, So good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so they're very much like other, like I, I keep thinking of the Orthodox who say that, you know, you need a few righteous human beings. Right. And, and she said the world, to transform the world. Right. And she says that too. Like she, she says that, you know, the, uh, you know, like the, the great question, you know, to ask on the same page, I think, you know, what, what is it that I as one person can do to influence world events? And the answer is everything. If people could only see with physical eyes the effect on the macros and micro context that the decision and implementation to consistently practice only uh, one meditation by a single person, then probably no one would hesitate to undertake such an exercise themselves. And that's very, again, that's very orthodox. This, this notion of the kind of, that we don't, you know, it's, it's the crystalline, I think of it as the crystalline structure of things. You know, it's not that the, you know, if you think about a super saturated 
um, you know, solution, you know, for that, for that solution to go from, you know, uh, to change states, to go from liquid to solid, it doesn't need every, everything there to all the crystalline structure to, to change. It just needs one. And that once one changes, which is the real transformation point, all of the other, everything else changes. The, that it, it, that everything, all the others repeat very, you know, with great power. And I think, you know, that's kind of a, that's always a physical example, I think, of, of what, of the power of what that we contain to change the world around us and to change the, the affective things. And, and, and we all see it. Like, you know, when, I mean, when a jerk walks into the room, you can feel the world change. And when somebody that you love walks into the room, you can feel like the power of that. And they don't even have to do anything or say anything. And then you take that intention that we have and you, and you, you focus that and blast it into the world in a real powerful, in a real way. You know, she's saying that, you know, you know, we, we, we are fooled into thinking. And again, this is the power of the materialist mindset is we're fooled into thinking we're powerless to affect these things when, right. it's when, we're, lie. when it's all a lie. Like that's the, and that's the great lie. Like that yeah. is the great lie. Well, I would imagine as a minister, I mean, I think I've probably the few times I've worshiped with you, I've noticed this, um, that depending on what's going on in that little constellation of people in the church that morning or that event, that the prayer can take on completely different quality depending on the intention and presence or absence of people. Um, so it's not like these are, you know, it's just like your example about the jerk coming in the room. These aren't ideas that are really that abstract. Right. It's like, it's more about stepping in more confidently into what you've already experienced. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And trusting that, um, I think she goes on to say at some place, I'm not sure I have a bookmark, but where she talks about it as, um, you know, I can't remember the word she uses, but what the word I would use that I translated was, is kind of the logos of like that, the really real, you know, and, and kind of that, that, you know, what she's saying is that we think this material stuff is the really real. And that we're, when we get into the mindset that the material stuff is the really real, we, we, we're lost. Like that's the trap. But what we understand is that, you know, that when the jerk comes in the room and the, and the atmosphere changes, or when the, you know, the, the beloved person comes into the room and the atmosphere changes, that's the really real, like, that's the, that's the, that's the, you know, cause that experience has been going on since, since people started banging rocks together, you know, mm -hmm. that experience has been going on. That's an eternal experience for human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the, and that's the power of the, uh, that's the power of the eternal that when we tap into that. And, and so, as you say, we, and we, we swim in it all the time, but I, I mean, I love what you said, like that idea of just truly living and trusting into it, like leaning into that um, with, with real, with real power and intention um, rather than, you know, and, and again, I think what she maps out really well without the distraction of the wider world, because she talks about all of these things as just constantly ginning up distraction for us or to be able to, to live in that place, you know, or to be able to spend more time in that place. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Well, I mean, I feel like we've done quite a bit of justice to this. Um, there's one thing I wanted to touch on that yeah, uh, let's, just come out uh, on page 93. Um, she talks about something that I think that has been just a huge part of what I think is going on um, where she talks, where she, you know, um, her line is just this, everything is upside down. And uh, the whole idea of inversion that we have going on right now, all of the different inversions that we see that we're seeing go on that uh, you know, um, that, in, you know, in order to be healthy, you need to lock yourself away from sunlight with a, uh, and other people and, uh, you know, and not exercise and not like all the things that we think about that, you know, normally, you know, like, oh, you want to be healthy? Well, get some sunshine, go for a walk, you know, da, 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 da. like all the things, you know, just all the opposites that we're encountering right now of uh, on, on deep levels too, whether you, you know, depending on, you know, how you, how you encounter the whole gender thing, how you encounter the whole, like just, there's this, there's this big inversion that's going on. And, and she, she talks about that um, 
that I thought was, and you know, um, you know, that, that there's this, you know, that, that where she's quoting, um, you know, Mephistopheles, you know, that, that, you know, to turn the lowest into the highest, to be sure, since we escaped from the fiery prison there to excessive power in the freer air and an open mystery yet well concealed and not late to the people revealed, you know, indeed, everything is upside down. It says, this is the insidious plan. The well-kept secret is that thoroughly Christian values, ideals, motives, conscious actions, and energies be misused for purely physical aspects of sensory life. Yeah. Like, holy smoke. Like, there it is. Like, I mean, like, to me, like, that, like, that's my, like, as a pastor, like, I feel like that's my fight, you know, like, you know, oh, I really need help with my prayer life. Well, why? So I can get a BMW, you know, like whatever, like, I mean, it's just this, this, like this, this, this complete, you know, um, um, you know, kind of misusing of that, which is, which is just such a lie, not only is a lie, but man, it's a good trick. You know, it's a really, it's a really, it's a really, it's a really slicky boy maneuver to get people thinking like that, you know, to misuse these things. And what, what Steiner says is it can actually, it's not, you know, it's not confined to not realizing this I thing. It can also go to the point of becoming subhuman. Oh yeah. And that, you know, that's something that I feel I feel that I'm seeing in my work with addicts all the time now is that they're not, um, it's just getting so bad and so depraved and uh, the moral qualities, the, the, the air, if you will, that they're breathing is taking people down to the level of mere appetite for sure. But then you have to ask yourself about some of these appetites, right? Because these aren't the appetites of shelter and food and warmth right? and, and human. They're, right. they're not even, they're not even appetites of preservation. They're actually appetites of exploitation. I mean, they're appetites of, you know, a dominion of dominion and avarice. Like that's, I mean, they're appetites of like, I want to dominate something and I want to have all the things for myself. Like, I mean, they're, they're truly diabolical and truly evil appetites. I, 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 I mean, I see it as well. I mean, yeah. I, I just, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I know it's like, God, I sound like such a pastor when I say this stuff, but like, I just can't not, but you know, I, I mean, I still like, I, 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 I've probably mentioned it half a dozen times this year, but you know, I, I just think that that it, the image of, you know, Cardi B's song WAP being lauded on national public radio. OK, not exactly the most, you know, hip hop cutting edge kind of thing, but that that song being lauded as the song of the year for 2020 is such a I mean, to me, that's a you know, I don't know if you know the song, but I mean, it's it's probably well. I mean, it's, it's WAP stands for wet ass pussy. And it's this, it's this song that is just, and, and the thing about the song that crosses the line is because we all, you know, I grew up with sexualization and music. I'm not I like, I love Prince, like I'm not talking about any of that. Cause this isn't about sexualization. This is, and this is what difference. I've talked about this a bunch and I, I really passionately believe it is the difference that Cardi B brings to this um, and why it crosses a line is because, and it, and I think it's, it's right in line with, with what she's saying about everything being upside down and these things being misused um, and particularly sexuality being misused is that it, because, because this is all about power. You know, it's like my wet ass pussy will bring you to the door. Like my, like I will, like, like I will have power over you. Like it has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with, it has not, it has nothing to do with, you know, you know, kind of the let's get it on kind of thing. You know, like it's not, it's not romantic. It's not even, it's not even sexy. Like the way, you know, it's not even, and it's not even playful. It's, it is all like everything you read those lyrics. It's all just this, this, it's almost a spell to an incantation to power, power yeah. over. And yeah. like, that's the difference. Like to me, that's, that's the gear shift that we're, you know, and to have national public radio NPR, you know, like the stuffy guys in, in turtlenecks kind of come out and say that was the song of the year. 
when at the same time, you know, I mean, and I, you know, I mean, I, I know this is overdone, um, you know, and, and it's not just, and cause, and I hope you, I hope you can hear and people can hear what I'm saying. This isn't just moralism that I'm talking about. I, I mean, I really think it's a misattribution, a misuse of really sacred things and or really important things and into really different appetites and it's and it's different and i mean it is different it is different and it's, it's not it's bad. not um you know it's not uh not 19 it's not the rolling stones it's not right yeah things. it's yeah. not yeah so no um so you know maybe to close up you know one thing that the anthroposophical world emphasizes is that these beings, these Luciferic beings and these Arimonic beings, they're inside of you. You are a host for these beings sure. and you always will be. Right. And in fact, the point of Ariman is to bring you into material being, that's what it does. And then the Lucifer gives you a sense of individuality. But there is, if those beings are not kept in some kind of balance, then bad things happen. And the balance would be the Christ. Right. Um, now, Ari Torreson and Robert Sardello, they often will say that that word gets so misunderstood that sometimes it's okay to just say it's the heart. But the heart, of course, is an iconography of, you know, a feeling and the center of the being and, the, and love. And what I see now is with the drugs, um, you know, I'm always quoting Richard Walter when he talks about a certain kind of psychopathology that's about intimacy without vulnerability, which is mm. what you're talking about. It's about power. Right. And I'm never vulnerable. And so we have drugs now that uh, like speed is the great example is it takes this, this center pillar, this place where the Christ can be, and it just takes it completely out of the game. Right. And so now you are just will forces and thinking and you're sensuality. Bag of appetites. Yeah. You're just, yeah. And it's a predatory appetite. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing in you that can be vulnerable. But the scary thing is there's nothing in these people that wants to be vulnerable. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people now that are aspiring, not even just drug addicts. There are a lot of people that are aspiring to an invulnerability. I don't want to be vulnerable to you. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, yeah, it's a great book. Maybe we should, um, maybe we should really think about getting into some of her more theological stuff together. Yeah, I, I, that would be neat. That's um, because this is, you know, I, I think, you know, that, that she really, like I am impressed with it because of the fact that she, she manages to, man, she threads a lot of needles. Um, and I think, but, and manages to talk about kind of where I started the war behind the war, kind of the, 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 the structures that are feeding, you know, these, the, the influences that are feeding these structures that we're, that we're contending with right now. Um, you know, um, and I, I just, you know, that, that, uh, that, and I am so, so I, I, yeah, that would be neat. That would be a neat experience to, uh, um, uh, so yeah, she ends with it. She, she ends the book with, with, uh, like one of the, towards the end, she says, uh, we should be, uh, we should be conscious of this, that when he fights, uh, then when we fight, we should fight for this God within by beginning to direct his or her own view and possibly that that of his fellow human beings to this God within. You know, to that, you know, to talk about that heart center or that Christ center that, you know, to, to fight for the, the to, to fight for Christ at the center, to fight for the, the heart, our heart center. Like that's, that is where the fight is, you know, and, and I, and again, you know, and, um, you know, I, I think of Solzhenitsyn, you know, that, you know, uh, the, the line between heaven and hell, it runs down through the middle of the human heart, you know, yeah. that, that here That's we right. are, you know, here we are. And, and it, and it rightly does, you know, it rightly does. And Steiner would say, or he is saying that to fight for the God within is the same thing as to fight for the, your humanity. Yeah. The humanity of those to fight for humanity. Oh, 
See, that's yeah. Gosh, yeah. We, we can't do better than that. All right, Reverend. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. We did it. <laughs> Peace and grace. Thank you for joining us. For more information, you can find us at resistancerecovery.com.